Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. We just want to look at the effect of obedience. Um, and the scripture we are going to use as text is a scripture we've read several times. And you know it by heart, actually. But it's good to just explore it again. And for the first time in my life, I've read that scripture several times. You see, you recognize scripture straight away. But I never took note of a salient point, which I think is good for us to um, discuss and meditate upon. So the scripture is in Luke chapter 6. The man who built his house on a rock. I'm sure we know it. So we'll study, read that scripture again so that we can think about a very important point there. Or there are several important points, but it's just good to explore it again and correlate it with our own lives and trust God to help us with the understanding that will make us more deliberate with our obedience. So, um, Risa, please, can you read Luke chapter 6 from verse 46 to 49? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet don't do what I tell you? Anyone who comes to me and listens to my words and obeys them, I will show I will show you what he is like. He is like a man who in building in building his house dug deep and laid the foundation on rock. The river overflowed and hit that house, but could not shake it, because it was built well. It was well built. But anyone who hears my words and does not obey them is like a man who built his house without laying a foundation. When the flood hit the house, it fell at once. And what a terrible crash that was. So, the Bible is, um, is a story we've read several times ourselves. And I'm just trusting that God will grant us understanding. Sorry, let me just let it. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to let. Okay. Just bear with me, I'm trying to connect the order system for the kids here because our laptop has just run out of charge. Just bear with me. It's the Russians. Sorry. Okay. I'll close this. 
Okay. okay. I'll, I'll just bear with you. This is echoing now. So true. Sorry, sorry. Give it to me. Okay. So, um, do you want to record it, Michael? Because oh, I, Michael, are you recording? Okay. So, look that look scripture. Like we said, I know we know it. We we know the story very well. But I want us to explore. It's good we exploit again. So verse 46 is asking a crucial question, which Jesus put to the disciples when he was talking. He said, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? They, that is very crucial in our lives as Christians. It's as if, if for you to have the right to call Jesus Lord, you need to be deliberate about your obedience. He is only Lord if we obey. He is not Lord if we just hear Him. You know, a lot of the times, the easy bit and the obvious bit to do is to hear God, isn't it? But the question is, are we doing what He says? So Jesus was asking, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not the things which I say. So, being Lord of our lives is actually being obedient. If the Lord is not your Lord, it's obvious that you are not obedient, if you understand what I'm saying. So, being Lord of my life is equals to the fact that I am being obedient to what he says. So he now says, whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, I will show you whom he is like. So Jesus is trying to emphasize here the doing and the obeying of his sins. And look at the analogy very closely. He is like, in verse 48, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and lay the foundation on the rock. And honestly, let me tell you, I've read this scripture several times. But for the first time, the issue of digging deep was what struck my heart. Jesus is saying, anyone who obeys his word, obeys his sins, is like one who is digging deep. Is building a house. So all of us are building something spiritually. But the resilience of what we are building, the longevity of what we are building, is based on obedience. Obedience is like you digging deep. So you are not just superficial. You are digging deep into God. You are digging deep into Knowing him, obeying him, getting more and more familiar with him. In fact, obedience is equals to entrenching yourself deep in God. So when Jesus said, it's like a man building a house, 
dug deep and laid the foundation of that house on the rock. The rock is not on the surface. The rock we are talking about is Jesus. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. And when we obey him, what we are doing is we are attaching ourselves the more to Jesus. We are anchoring our lives deep with inside Jesus. That's what obedience does. Obedience is not just a symbolic thing we do. Obedience is actually anchoring our lives, anchoring our hearts in Jesus. And you see, for me, when I saw, I don't know what happened. You know, all the while you read this scripture, and it never touched me the way I've read it afresh. That obedience is equal to you digging deep in God. So all the times you've heard the story of the Samaritan, good Samaritan, it's a nice story. It's a compassionate story. But what's God telling us to bring out of that? Let us arise and be compassionate. As you arise and you are obeying that instruction, and you are being compassionate, what you are doing is you are entrenching your heart, you are entrenching your life, and attaching it to the rock, which is Jesus, our salvation. And, beloved brethren, this is the this is the pathway for Christian living. This is the principle of Christian living. You hear the word of God, and you arise, be deliberate about obeying it. You know, my challenge has always been when I read scripture, the first thing is, so what do I need to arise and go and do? It's not about the knowledge. A lot of people hear the word of God. We hear it. But the percentage that arise to obey it is very small. And Jesus is telling us indirectly here to concentrate on our obedience. Because actually what we are doing is we are entrenching our lives the more in Jesus. This matter of digging deep. We need to dig deep. That is, you see, every time we obey God, we are sending further, further pillars from our lives into the rock. And why is this important? It's important because the world we are living in, there is going to be storms. There is going, look at the scripture. It says, it do dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, take note, and when the flood arose, it did not, the Bible did not say, if the flood arises, if, no, it's when. The flood is coming. The storms are coming. The winds of life will blow. It is not a maybe it will blow or there's a possibility it might not. It is going to come. And what will keep the, the house standing that we have built, spiritual house, is our anchorage in God. This attachment of our foundation in the rock, that is what is going to make the, hand, the, 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 the house stand. 
our obedience is crucial. We cannot just brush it aside. We cannot just glory in sitting down to hear the word of God. It's good. Because if you don't hear, you can't obey. But the obedience is crucial. What's the point? We hear the word of God. But we are not digging deep to attach ourselves to that rock. So, what I, what I see is, once you hear the word of God, the, that's the first step in building. Hearing the word of God is like clearing the land. And then obedience is like you are attaching and you are anchoring what you are building in the rock, which is Jesus. That rock is what keeps the hand, this the, the house standing. No matter the storm that comes, as long as that rock is attached to the house, it will fall. So the Bible says, and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house. Like we said, the storm is going to come. The flood is going to come. Wind will blow. It is a must. It's, it's not a question of if the wind blows. It's when the wind blows. It's going to come. It will beat against that house. And could not shake it for it was founded. It was attached to the rock. So, beloved brethren, our obedience is equals to our foundation in Christ. When we obey, we are solidifying that foundation. And obedience is progressive. We have to continuously, continuously, continuously obey God. Yes, um, Kevin. I mean, we... Obviously, this is talking about a house to some degree, but it's talking about a lot more than a house. We're, we're quite blessed here in Hamel, and we haven't had many floods yeah. up yeah. in Groveville yeah. and what have you. Yes. So, but when we do have a storm, when things do hit us, mm. sometimes we feel as if we have been shaken off the foundation. Um, because it's not it's not physical foundation. Yes, it's emotional and and other things. Yeah. So how? So, what does it look like? Mm. What does it look like when you, the the storm comes up, whatever it might be, mm. and you you are on the foundation compared to what it looks like when you're not on the foundation? Yes, it's, yes. it's easy with the metaphor of a house. Yes, it's no. not it's not gone. Yes. So the practical application, like what it means is, you know, that's why I, I was stressing the point that our obedience is progressive. For instance, you are faced with a situation whereby you need patience. And patience, the Bible talks about it as being, is part of the fruits of the Spirit. And we have been challenged to be patient with people, with situations, with colleagues at work, with family members. That's a calling upon our lives. But supposing somebody passes a comment or does something that is wrong and we, actually you need to be patient to that person. But you see, it's not easy, especially when you are faced with a situation on ground. But you see, that is a storm in a sense. That is a flood in a sense, beating against your 
spiritual building. Because you see, we can see, you, you know several examples in scripture where Jesus was patient. Look, look at, you know, we're, we're reminiscing about Paul's own experience. Paul told us in scripture that he's an example of God being patient with a sinner unto repentance. He's an example. You know, because the Lord, someone like Paul, did a, a lot of terrible things. In fact, maybe I should look for that scripture so that I will stop paraphrasing. It's very important we understand it because that's an example of um, patience, or should I say, God playing out patience over a man's life so that that man eventually will come to know the Lord. That is God's long-suffering playing out. And God also wants us to be long-suffering. Long-suffering is simply suffering long. <laughs> Very simple. And God wants us to be long-suffering so that we can allow Him bring His will to pass, both in people's lives and in our own lives. But you see, situation and circumstances will always arise to beat against that long-suffering, that patience. But as long as we keep obeying, that is, we keep obeying and we are, we are being patient, we suffer long, what we are doing is we are reinforcing our foundation of that virtue in Christ. That's why you can't say, I was patient yesterday, but today I won't be patient. You are not being progressive, you are not reinforcing that virtue in Christ. Once you leave it alone, you won't, you, that house will fall. For instance, somebody keeps nagging at you at work. And it's a constant nag every time, every time, every time. And then you are patient, you don't respond, you don't shout back, you don't insult the person, you are patient. And then one morning you come to work. And that person comes us nagging and nagging and nagging again. And then in your heart, you said, now I have had it. <laughs> I'm going to give this man a piece of my mind. I'm going to blast him. And immediately he opens his mouth. You tell him off. Will you shut up? I'm telling you to shut up. Excuse me. I'm not going to take this rubbish away again from you. You are a nasty piece of work. You are this, you are that. <laughs> you respond. Excuse me, what has happened to your patience now? Your patience, you have detached. Because you are no longer obeying the word of God in the sense that you are not being patient. What is happening? You are now building your house. That foundation that should be reinforced every time is no longer being reinforced. And then there are cracks in your attachments between God, between the rock and the house you are building. Thank you. Um, that scripture, so uh, yeah, you guys have um, highlighted it for me. So First Timothy chapter 1, the scripture I was trying to relate to about Timothy. Maybe we should look at it quickly. Just to reinforce this issue of vision. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 16. Look at it. The Bible says, hmm. you know, when 
when Paul had said, I'm the chief of sinners, and all that. Verse 16 says, however, for this reason, I obtain mercy, so that in me, first, Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Beloved brethren, we need long-suffering towards the salvation of souls. Honestly, there are people that I thought would never give their life to Jesus. Never. Honestly. And God showed me that I should never say never. Why so? Look at Paul here. If you were in the time of Jesus and in the time of the apostles, with all what Paul was doing, could you ever think he would give his heart to Jesus? Could you ever think that he would commit his heart to the Lord? That was because he was doing terrible things. He was an arch enemy of the church. The followers of the followers of Jesus didn't think he would, yeah. and uh, Ananias was uh, very exactly. <laughs> Ananias was skeptical. Even when God appeared to him in a vision, Ananias said, "Lord, it seems as if you know. Can you imagine asking God?" And I asked, God, do you actually know this man? <laughs> do you know what he has done to the church? God, wait, wait, wait. Let's discuss this matter. You mean I should go and see him? This man has been killing people. In fact, I am, I am a target. Do you actually mean I should go and meet this man? But God, who knows the end of a matter from the beginning? You know, that's why it's... God must help our hearts as human beings that we will we will truly know He is the Lord. I want to ask: Do you know if if Ananias has said, "Lord, I'm not going," <laughs> Lord, I am just I am not going. This guy is a killer. I was I heard how he organized the killing of Stephen. Lord, just some months ago, how come you are now saying I should go to him? He will just take my head off. <laughs> but you see, this is the Lord showing us long-suffering. And God, the only way you can test obedience is to bring something counter to that obedience to test it. Honestly, do you know... When you read scriptures and the Bible is telling us about fruits of the Spirit, you only read the theory. The practical application is in real life. If you ask Samuel now, do you know how to drive a car? Of course, he will say yes. Because he knows where the gear is. He knows what to press. But I tell you, you will not want to get into a car with him now. But he knows how to drive he knows, asking everything about driving. If you want to turn left, this is the trafficator, you lift it up. But tell him, okay, get into a car now. I'm telling you, you will say sorry. <laughs> uh, have you passed your test? <laughs> have, you, <laughs> have you driven before? But he knows. Do you know that's the same thing with the word of God? We have the head knowledge. But the heart knowledge, the practical application is tested 
with real life situations. That's why every time we hear the word of God, expect real life situations to test what you've heard. It's not head knowledge God is looking for. God is looking for a, a person, a Christian, who has attached, who is obeying God and obedience has now become his lifestyle towards that particular word of God so that it becomes that person's life that's why nobody has arrived when it comes to obeying God he's progressive we have to keep obeying God all the time our obedience never expires it should be progressive I can't say I was honest today then tomorrow I can say, well, my honesty was for yesterday, and that's okay. But for today, I can't afford to be dishonest. No. We automatically erode or cancel out if we do not continuously remain honest. That's why this is a spiritual foundation we are attaching to, to Jesus. You see, the rock is already there. But what our obedience does is it entrenches our lives into that rock. It's through obedience. Because the enemy will organize storms. That's his job. What the world will throw, will throw storms at us. It's going to come. I've heard all those sorts of doctrines where, oh, once you're in Christ, don't worry, there'll be no problem at all. That's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Challenges and problems will come. But because we are attached to that rock through obedience, God is saying the house we stand, the spiritual house we stand, our spiritual building, our lives we stand. So going back to that Luke chapter 6, let's, let's look at it again. It says, now, it's important, we were talking, you know, we, we were talking about obedience and that, that house, what we are building, our lives, spiritual lives. You know, the Bible says that we are part of the spiritual house, the spiritual temple. That's what the Bible teaches. So, as we obey Jesus, as we live our lives as Christians, we are actually, the Bible calls us, living stones, lively stones. Let me, I think it's in, um, let me just read that scripture. Being lively stones. Um, let me see. I think it's, it's not in first, in Peter. Yes, first Peter. Alright. First Peter chapter 2. If you are there, read verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Do you see? You also as living stones actually a stone physically is not living but because this is a spiritual concept 
me and you are living stones. And look at the scripture. Are being built up in a spiritual house. So, as you keep obeying God, because you are living, you are being built. And I'm praying that God will grant us that insight and revelation. We are being built. We are living. The house that is being talked about here is a spiritual house. It's a house that is living. It's alive. So if you go back to Luke chapter 6, your obedience is actually part of the growth in that house. I pray you understand. Your obedience, my obedience, is part of the growth of that spiritual house. Because we are regularly reinforcing our attachment to the rock, which is Christ. So, verse 49 of Luke chapter 6. It's good to also examine the opposite. The Bible is saying, But he who hears or heard my sayings and did, did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without the foundation. What a terrible thing to do. So, like we said, everybody is building something. But when you hear the word of God and you do not act on it, the Bible is saying you are like a man who is building a house on the earth on sand. No foundation, no attachments, no deep roots. That's why obedience is crucial. There's no way that house can stand. And God is challenging you and me that we need to be continuously deliberate about our obedience. He's saying, against which the stream beats vehemently. Like we said, that storm, that flood, the gush of winds, heavy winds, spiritual winds, is going to come. We can't stop it. It's, it's a must. It's, it must come. And it's going to beat against what you are building. Your spiritual house. And if you don't if that house is not attached to the rock, if our obedience is not progressive, that house will fall. And look at it. The Bible is saying, and immediately it fell. It's not a progressive fall. That house is going to crumble straight away. And the Bible says, and the ruin of that house was great. Do you, do you see why at times, when you have a Christian who is growing, and then stops following Jesus. Do you know the damage that that causes? The damage is really extensive. It's not a small damage. If we go and compare that life to somebody who did not even know the Lord at all. Have you not met Christians who have for who were Christians and been backsliding? I'm sure you've met them who have turned away because of lack of obedience. 
is usually a great ruin. But that's why we have Jesus. You see, once you obey, once we keep obeying, there's restoration. Yes, Kevin. I've also uh, met quite a lot of Christians who who um, have lots of struggles and they keep going and they say, I can't take any more, I can't take any more, I can't take any more. And um, they do. And we say, well, you've come this far, five years, ten years, whatever. And you say, but the interesting thing, I would still say that a lot of their struggles are self-inflicted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I do believe the Lord is still keeping them going. Yeah. <laughs> All the same. All the same. Um, honestly, I don't know for you, but for me, mm. I always check up on my life. Honestly, I check up. What I mean by check up is, like Scripture encourages us. It says that you should. Um, how did he put it? He said, check to see that you are still in the faith. Now, you know when you read that Scripture. You think it means check that you are still following Jesus. But it's more than that. When it says check you are still in the faith, it means are you actually working out your life of faith? And what is faith? Faith comes by the word of God. And if you are not obeying that word of God, which produces faith, how are you in the faith? Do you understand? It's not only that you are you are not following Jesus or you don't know him. You know him. You understand? But still in the faith also means your obedience to the word of faith. So, like you know, during the storms where um, I saw a lot of trees you know, been uh, uprooted uh, by the strong wind. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was thinking, actually, like, these trees are like faith as well. Those that were, that are deeply rooted to the ground were able to stand the strong winds, the storm. But those that uh, had shallow roots, um, obviously, that was blown by the, uh, uprooted by, mm -hmm. by the, the storm. And uh, you know, come to think of it as well, if we uh, compare with our faith, we're just like trees, like trees as well. If you are deeply rooted, mm -hmm. whatever storms or how many storms will batter your life, then we will survive because of the deep root in the purity of the word of God that we have in our lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's one tree we have in our area. Um, you can remember that tree in um, just in Soto of Amden. Yeah. What's it called? They call it the Bible tree. Yeah. The Bible tree. How long has that tree been there? A long time. I don't know. I, I don't said know. up to 100 years, isn't it? Yes. Because what? some Christians went and buried the Bible around the tree. So they call it the Bible tree. But that tree, you can't miss it. It's, it's spectacular. You know? And I've been thinking, is it that there has been no wind that can uproot the tree? Is it that there has been no strong wind in the history of that tree <laughs> that has blown? No. It's just that that tree 
is root, like Nika was saying, is deeply rooted. I don't know if you've seen trees. Some trees, their roots are not only located in this in this fair, in this perimeter of that tree. Some some trees' roots are long, are quite far away, deep in the tree, from the tree. Yes, Kevin. Talking about metaphors, I, I don't know if you've, you know, we've had some trees fall down after the big storm, not at the big storm, the next storm has, fall, has they've fallen over. Yeah. Um, and so be careful. Be mm. careful, basically, because you, you might think, you, you know, you're safe. Oh, <laughs> with tree, And it's actually been, uh, been weakened. But uh, from people's lives, post-traumatic stress often yeah. hits people 10 years later, yeah. on average. I think mm. it's getting shorter. But uh, in the old days, it used to be about 10 years later. Um, and uh, and so, you know, you may have a friend or a brother or sister in the Lord who seems to be struggling with something now, and you think, well, that doesn't seem too bad. But um, it could well be that they, they had something previously, uh, and then something else has happened and, then, 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 then shaken them, but shaken yes. them. So, you know, what you said has hit a very strong point on the issue of, you know, the scripture says, Whoever thinks he stands, it's not just your present standing, <laughs> even your next standing. That's why nobody has arrived in this in this issue. That you are standing today is not enough. You must keep reviewing your standing so that you will stand tomorrow and next tomorrow and the day after and next year and the next five years and the next ten years. Honestly, because, like you said, a storm comes, hits you, you are standing. And if you don't continue standing, a smaller storm might come. <laughs> and that is what will flow you. That's why, whoever thinks he stands, you know, that scripture is very profound for me. The Bible is saying, whoever thinks he stands should take it. So, it is those who are standing that should take it. It's not those who are falling. Those who are falling are already down, actually. But the Bible is saying, you, you are standing. Thank God for that. But actually, you should take heed. Because, you see, even the enemy is not going on lockdown. The enemy, you know, you know we talk about COVID and the analogy, oh, you are in lockdown, you are self-isolating. The enemy does not self-isolate. He has never. And his job, he keeps going to and fro. Is going up and down the whole earth like a roaring lion looking for who to default. It's not on lockdown. It doesn't go on leave or sabbatical. It's going up and down. I mean, the arch enemy of our souls is not is not taking leave. Why should I take leave? Why should I suddenly say Hallelujah? I'm standing. That's it. <laughs> I thank God. I'm okay. No, we are not okay until we get to the other side of eternity. We keep progressively reviewing our obedience, checking our hearts, checking if we are still in the faith. And, you know, this, that last part of verse 49, it's not to scare us, but to let us see the consequences of not obeying God's word. The Bible is saying, and great was the fall of that house. My translation says, 
the ruin of that house was great. It wasn't a small fall. Because you see, when you keep hearing the word of God, you keep hearing the word of God, and nothing is translated into obedience. You suddenly are building a huge spiritual structure. Because of lack of obedience, will now crumble. Do you know it's better not to have heard the word of God in the first place than not to obey it? That's the issue. That's why the Bible says, those that know what to do and do not do it are worthy of great, not a lot of stripes, a lot of um, stripes. But those who do not know and do not know it and do not do it are worthy of tiny stripes, few stripes. That's the issue. That's why our our hearing the word of God must be followed by obedience. So that we do not have a great fall. That's the matter. One Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10 is a great chapter about not judging our brothers and sisters because of this. And it's also a great chapter about showing grace mm. to, to others in that which... Um, which obviously is a very, very strong, uh, strong part of Christ. But, um, yes. Yes. It's probably it's not time to read it now, but it is. No, it's, it's, it's crucial. First Corinthians 10, I'm there already. Mm-hmm. It says, is it from verse 11? It says, now, all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. No temptation has overtaken you except as such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Verse 14, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge for yourselves what I say. You know, it's so important that we appreciate obedience. Remember, it's for our lives first. Let's concentrate on our own personal obedience. Let's trust God to be deliberate about it. Don't look at another man's obedience first. Concentrate on your own. Mm-hmm. Very important. Remember that scripture in um it's also in Luke. That Luke chapter 6. He says, Why do you look at your brother's speck in his eye when you have a log in your own eye, a blank? Do you know something? God must help us to always look at our own log, our own plank. If God will help you correct a brother, correct a sister who is in error, always check that you you yourself do not have a log, a plank in your own eye. Because you cannot see clearly when you have a plank in your own eye. You can't. It's going to be deceit and hypocrisy. People say, oh, let me let me remove the speck. How can you? You know, if you look at this, a plank, 
and this is spec. How can you see with this obscuring, obscuring of you to remove a tiny speck in somebody else's eye? That scripture is only teaching me about seeing clearly. I need to see clearly. And for you to see clearly, you need to remove that plank. You need to remove that obstruction. You need to remove that lifestyle that is wrong in your life. And then God will equip you to be able to see clearly. To remove in another person's eye. I'm praying that the Lord will challenge our hearts about our personal deliberate obedience. Every time we read the word of God, let us keep asking ourselves that question. What am I meant to arise to do from reading this? Let it not just be head knowledge. Or else we run the risk of building a spiritual house that will later crumble when storms come. I'm praying that the Lord will ingrain this spiritual consciousness of deliberate obedience to his word in our hearts. So we'll stop here. Um, we'll make this a, a strong prayer point this this evening as we pray together. Amen. Praise the Lord uh, for uh, the word of God we have learned tonight. So. Um Come and join Pastor George's Bible Study at 8 p.m. 